everyone. Welcome to the 8th episode of the Women Startup Leader Series. In this episode, we have Sharwat Islam as speaker and Ahmed Yusuf, advisory lead of Bangladesh Angels as moderator. Without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Sharlat Islamapa, who's been here with us. Um, um, she's she's one of the leading. Uh, Sharlat Islam has been leading the True Value Bangladesh team for the last three years, uh, with more than 15 years of work experience in well-known investment banks and banks in Bangladesh. Uh, Sharlat joined uh, True Value in 2018 uh, from her passion to work with impact investments. She's uh, responsible for the overall country operations of True Value Bangladesh and also represents True Value in the board of investee companies. Sharwat has completed her uh, MBBA and MBA from Institute of Business Administration, University of Dhaka. And today she's our guest speaker for investing in high impact SMEs. I'd like to um, welcome on board uh, Sharwat Appa to the stage. Thanks for joining Thank in. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much, both Nature and Jawad, and I'm really very happy to part, be part of this session. Absolutely uh, brilliant. It's uh, The pleasure is ours, and we're really excited as well. Uh, so we'll start at the beginning with a little bit of background and work history, um, Charodapa. Um, if you can just tell us uh, where did you grow up, grow up and how did you know, um, how did you end up working in finance? Okay, so... Uh, I grew up in Dhaka, Dhaka city, and as my father was in the Bangladesh Air Force, so I spent most of my life, almost more than half of my life in the cantonment, uh, in the Air Force base. And uh, like most other Air Force kids, I went to BAF Shine School. And as I was in the science group, so my parents wanted me to be either a doctor or an engineer, like most parents in Bangladesh. But I always wanted to be something else. And uh, as I grew older, like when I was around 17 or 18, I, I developed an interest in the world of business. And I, I dreamed of having uh, a business of my own someday. So actually that's what uh, got me into uh, IBA. So after I got admitted in IBA, I told my parents that uh, I'll not be sitting for any more admission tests for engineering or med medical studies. And uh, in IBA, uh, finance and investments became my favorite subjects and uh, yeah from there I went on to build a career in finance uh, just to add that uh, actually deep inside my actual passion was to become a travel show host someday so don't laugh at me but <laughs> that was my passion when I was a kid so uh, yeah so uh, then after IBA, I, I started uh, my career into banking. Uh, I work in Dhaka Bank, American Express Bank, Standard Chartered Bank. And uh, then after uh, completing MBA, I took a break for one year. I taught uh, at Brack University. After that, I moved into investment banking, work in NDB Capital, Longka Bangla Finance. And uh, in 2018, I joined Trubal. Yeah, that's more or less about it. That's that's a very diverse uh, portfolio to begin with, right? Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, go, go into uh, you've made 
way around the financial institutions, right? Um, both global as well as uh, local uh, investment bank uh, investment banks. Um, can you give us a really brief uh, detail on uh, what differences in working cultures um, and lessons that you've got uh, in working these domestic versus uh, international organizations? Well. Uh... I would say even Lanka Bangla had this very uh, good culture. It was almost like a, it was a JV. It started as a JV. So I I say it was a completely local organization. NDB Capital was also a foreign organization. So I would not go into local versus foreign. Rather, I would say that uh, in small organizations, uh, what I have seen is there's more opportunity to learn. You get more independence. Uh, you get more decision-making authority. So your learning curve is steep, uh, and in large organizations, these are very structured, like right, like Standard Chartered Bank or like Dhaka Bank. So these were very structured organizations, and there's less opportunity to do experiments or take initiatives on your own or like customize something. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the way I came in. What is your? Uh, I prefer to work in small organizations. Absolutely. So I think small that's, but structured, yes. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, in terms of uh, your, your decision to join True Value in 2018, what actually motivated you or what made you decide to join? Well, I came across the term impact investment in 2015 while I was reading this article by Ms. Durin Chahanas. And uh, I, I really got interested, uh, intrigued by the idea that you can do investments, earn a profit, but at the same time, you can also do good. So I have previously heard about, you know, socially responsible investing or sustainable investing. So th these were like, do no harm. But impact investing is, is different. It's even better. It's like, do good, create an impact. So... Uh, I, I started reading uh, about it more. And in 2018, when I uh, came across this opportunity, I uh, got into it at once because I thought that I could use my existing experience in investment and also my skills uh, for a better cause. And also this job would give me more flexibility so uh, I could spend more time with my family. Uh, I could spend more time with my kid. Yeah, so that's how I got into approval. That's excellent. Um, in terms of you know the audience that are uh, here present here today and that doesn't know about True Value that much, right? Uh, can you give us a, re a really short overview of you know True Value Enterprises, uh, what they look into, uh, what are the you know um, thesis or focus areas of anything um, here in the country? Okay, so. Uh, to begin with, Truvalu is a Dutch impact investment company. We are based in the Netherlands, but we operate in various emerging countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. So if you ask about our investment thesis, so actually we believe in uh, growing local businesses for fair economic development. And uh, basically True Value is all about creating true value in emerging markets. So that's how our name came into being. So uh, at True Value, we focus on development of small and medium growing businesses in the agri sector. And we also ensure creation of positive social impact. 
and uh, basically we tr we try to focus on the missing middle you know uh, not the very small businesses that are being catered to by the microfinance sector not the very large ones uh, that are being catered to by the banks or financial institutions so the missing middle is our target or our focus uh, investees and uh, we also focus on the financial return so it's not just a grant or donation we invest we have the goal of uh, tripling the value of the business so at the end of 5 to 7 years our goal is that the value of the business will be three times and uh, at the same time it should be visible social impact right and uh, in terms of you know the personnel's behind it right uh, who were the ones who started it off um, in the in in the netherlands and uh, where are you currently um, working on which markets uh, are the focus right and uh, who's leading bangladesh right now is it with you uh, i'm leading bangladesh but globally mr yapian barbum is the founder so he was a development professional turned social entrepreneur he worked in africa for 8 years uh, basically truvalu started as a uh, as a part of eco cooperation you know eco cooperation is the ngo so truvalu started as the for profit wing of eco so uh, at that time we managed funds uh, and eco was one of the contributors of that fund and there were also other high net worth individuals other ngos but uh, later uh, we we became separate so true value right now is not just a fund manager we are also owner of the fund so uh, yes that's how true value came into being our focus countries are bangladesh uh, colombia kenya and uganda and in bangladesh we have been operating for the last 4 years actually our company was incorporated way earlier but it was <clears throat> in a different name tinder capital with different owners so later when truvalu decided to come into bangladesh to enter the bangladesh market truvalu bought this company named tinder capital from uh, the then owner so yeah that's how we uh, started our operations four years back and we started investing from late uh, 2010 so um oh. talk us uh, talk us through a little bit about the operations here in the country right how big is it um, what are you doing right now or what kind of uh, companies do you look into right yeah so here in bangladesh we uh, we do two types of activities one is uh, of course investment that is our core identity and we uh, focus uh, on the investment building our portfolio and uh, second is we also uh, act, we are actively involved in development of smes providing vds uh, advisory services for investment basically we we uh, look into the financial performance because we don't invest we don't invest in uh, startups or concept stage companies so we we look into the financial history whether it's profitable we also look into the entrepreneurs background uh, the governance of the company the vision of the entrepreneur scalability uh, the business model so these are the factors we look into while we do our primary due diligence 
and then we invest in convertible preference shares. Uh, we are not a local fund, as you know. Our fund is located in the Netherlands, so we invest directly from the Netherlands into the into the company. So here is also a challenge that whenever we invest in a business, it has to be converted into a public limited, uh, sorry, private limited company. <clears throat> and uh, you know. Um, does do you guys have like an overall structure or is there an allocation strategy for individual countries on how much you want to invest into per year um, is there any mandates like that uh no basically we make a plan at the beginning of the year but it's not a hard and fast rule that okay bangladesh will get this much and uganda will get this much if we find uh, more interesting investments in bangladesh in a particular year then Bangladesh gets more allocation. If it's any other country in any particular year, that country gets more allocation. So it all depends on your And uh, we usually invest five to seven years, the expectation that the value of the business will uh, become three times. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, in terms of you know the value chain that you see, right? What, mm -hmm. what makes it inclusive? Well, when we see that the uh, chain impacts the lives of all the players, like smallholder farmers, small businesses, uh, even end customers, so uh, you know we we call it an inclusive value chain. And uh, is that your also um, you know metric for impact uh, measurement uh, as well? Uh, well. Uh, Globally, we, we have adopted an impact measurement framework based on the uh, IRIS framework. I think you have heard of that. Yeah. So uh, if I uh, briefly explain that we, we mostly measure impact by the number of smallholder farmers in the value chain, uh, number of jobs created, number of females engaged in the business, uh, whether the business is serving the low income uh, group of the economy, uh, whether those at the base of the pyramid are being benefited in some way. So it's not that uh, any one business will meet all these criteria, but these mm -hmm. are the criteria that we look at. Right. And in terms of uh, financial performances, uh, you just touched up on a brief, right? Uh, can you give us a little bit more uh, in, into what sort of due diligence that goes behind uh, screening these companies? Basically, we first look into the investment readiness. So uh, we do an what to say uh, an internal audit, like we look into their financials, their financial statements. Sometimes their financial statements are not ready to. So we help them prepare. Then we see whether the company is ready to be formed into a private limited company. Whether it meets those criteria. We also. Uh, mostly we look into the finances. We also try to look into the background or history of the entrepreneur, whether he has taken a loan from, from any bank. So if we know that the entrepreneur has taken a loan, maybe we talk to the bank to understand uh, the entrepreneur's credit history. Uh, it's difficult because we don't, uh, we are not eligible to you know, get CIB, only banks have access to that CIB. So we, we usually talk to the bank. Then we also uh, talk to the, we, we uh, visit that 
that SME, we visit the premises, we visit the factory, try to assess the, you know, quality of the company, whether the business model is viable. So, it, you know, these things that we usually look into. Interesting. And um, you talked about, you know, exits or a 3x or a 5x multiple, right? Is that mm -hmm. like a hard and fast rule for your investment? And how do you sort of judge that? It's um, mostly uh, based on projection that we, we do a very detailed financial model. Uh, so it's, it's completely based on projection that we uh, try to see that, okay, uh, how much would be the other business has the potential to, you know, uh, go, go to that level where the value would be three times the initial value. So, yeah, it's mostly projection based. But we also understand that not every company in our portfolio will meet this criteria. So, in our portfolio, some companies will exceed our expectations. Some companies will be at par, some may be at loss. So, uh, yeah, from that, we, we, uh, we have this expectation that the value should be three times. Excellent. Um, and is there any first loss provisions for uh, enterprises? Do they take on that measure if for some reason, as, as you just mentioned, right? Um, if a company or if within the portfolios, if there is a company that fails who made that uh, three to five X return, is there any first loss provisions from true value that you sort of uh, accommodate for your investments? Uh, no, usually, no, we have not, uh, we do not have this sort of provisions, but sometimes we, we still did not exit any company or have not come this far, but maybe what we'll do is we can uh, extend our investment period. Like if we see that, okay, if, uh, during this year, the company has made a loss or it has the, uh, it has the potential to recover from this loss, say within the next two years, maybe we will extend our investment tenure. That we can do. Excellent. Um, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the measuring impact, what are the key indicators? I think you already talked about a little bit uh, about this, uh, but how do you derive these numbers, right? Um, what are, uh, you know, the nod behind uh, getting to, you know, uh, numbers as well as the aggregate data that you want to look out for? Uh, which numbers? Um, the average number of uh, farm per company or, you know, small hold, holder farmers that you, um, you know, um, have helped or any sort of impact matrices that you're tracking, right? How are you uh, bringing that into light or how do you, how do you sort of measure them? Uh, it's a bit challenging. So, uh, yeah, we uh, have to depend on the entrepreneur's, uh, entrepreneur's data. So we also visit the companies to see that, okay, the uh, job creation data or the number of employees is at least uh, somewhat related to what the entrepreneur says. And we also look into the entrepreneur's uh, and selling records. So uh, when we look into the records, we try to find out that, okay, from how many smallholder farmers the entrepreneur has procured the raw materials or, uh, how many employees are so yeah 
uh, we try to look into the financial records, but it remains to be a challenge. Right. Um, what percentage of the decision-making falls for, I know you've also mentioned that investment readiness is the first key measure that you see, um, and then you have impact measurement, right? So yes. balance the two and decide uh, what, what should be the best companies that you want to invest into and have in the portfolio. Profitable growing companies with uh, the potential for substantial scalability uh, and uh, with an entrepreneur with a, and with a good business model, in short. That's what, uh, you know, we all want as well. Um, in terms of, um, you know, the companies uh, into, I, I think, um, NF Boyer uh, Limited. Can you tell us a bit more about this company and how you sort of came across and judged it in terms of uh, you know investing into the company as part of the portfolio? Yes, so uh, it was very interesting. Basically, NF Boyer, uh, we we got uh, in contact with NF Boyer. Another that we did, uh, it was a, uh, it was called AVC project, Agricultural Value Chain Project of USAID, and uh, this is how we uh, got to know this company. And then we, when we visited, we found the business model to be very interesting. The producer of uh, coconut coir and uh, also uh, felt mattresses, uh, coir felt products and also uh, currently they are also making some gardening items and uh, the best thing about this company is the nature of the product and this circular model you see they are making the dry they are buying in the farmers and then they are using the uh, coir felt i mean the coconut husk uh, for coir felt products uh, uh, dust that is produced as a product which had no use before which used to be piled up in their uh, drying yard so now uh, it's being dried and it's made into cocoa pit you know it's it's for used for gardening for greenhouses and has huge demand in in other countries in the european market and they are also exporting this product. and uh, they're getting into other gardening items as well. So you see no part of the coconut is in, in, in this way. So, and also we, we consider ourselves as one of their co-entrepreneurs. So it's not just that we invested in the company. Uh, we, we also uh, give the magic advice. We are a Dutch, uh, a Dutch expert from the Netherlands who came to the company, stayed with them, and then, you know, help them uh, with strategic advice, help them uh, with suggestions. So this is how we help the company. Now we are trying to link it up with European buyers. They're exporting to Korea, but uh, we are also helping them, I mean, trying to help them to get connected with European buyers. So uh, I think I think this is a That's very excellent. interesting and business. Yes. Yeah, sorry, Jav. Sorry, uh, Sharvatapa, I, I, I was interrupting you. Please go on. 
And no, no. Uh, yes, uh, we we consider us entrepreneurs to all the businesses we work with, to all our portfolio Got companies. Got it. That's actually really helpful. Um, and uh, you know, how long does the co-entrepreneurship, or how how many um, hours do you spend per company to um, you know get them to not only get funding but also help them out to expand business operations? Well, initially, it uh, depends on the uh, type of the company and their level of investment readiness. So from due diligence to funding, on an average, it takes six months. If the company is uh, already formed into a private limited, if it's very much ready, it can be done earlier within three months. If it's uh, ready, if it's uh, at a... Uh, at a very early stage in its development cycle, then the uh, funding may take longer. But uh, average is six months. Mm -hmm. And the co-entrepreneurship support goes on for as long as we remain invested in the company. So it can be five years, seven years, eight years. So as long as we are there, we help them with their growth. We help them with strategic advice. We help them. Even uh, we have the option that maybe after three, four years, we may put additional investment in the company. So if the company's potential is really good. And is these hours, uh, you know, on voluntary basis or do the companies come to you and ask for help um, during the co-entrepreneurship or do you do an active, um, you know, engagement with them? We are actively engaged with them, like say weekly, uh, three, four hours we put for each company. Okay, okay. that makes sense. And that's really good um, for even co-investments or you know, follow-on investments as well. Um, so coming to the initial point, like how do you sort of find companies like NFR? What are your, you know, um, ways to find out or reach out to a potential SMEs uh, working in you know, remote areas or peri-urban areas around Bangladesh, right? How do you source these companies? So we try to, uh, we try to find out companies or scout companies from our networks. So rather than going for a completely unknown company, we uh, rely a lot on our networks, but at the same time, we also, uh, publish advertisements in the newspapers we uh, or social media. So in that way, also companies can apply uh, to us. So, yeah, and we we uh, also rely on our network. Excellent. And uh, you know, in terms of um, you know the last one and a half years during COVID, how how has it been for you? Like. Um, what have you seen from the port? What are they doing? Um, and uh, how has how's that impacted you in your businesses? Yes, definitely. Uh, I would say all of the companies in our investment portfolio uh, have been affected by this uh, pandemic. And the uh, main problems they are facing is shortage of working capital, uh, piling up of accounts receivable, piling up of inventory, uh, distribution network problems, logistical issues. But another thing I have also seen is that their resilience, which has really inspired me because all of these businesses, uh, one of our investing companies, uh, the owner was just telling me yesterday that everyone in their organization 
uh, were affected by COVID, but still they they did not work from home or you know they did not keep their office closed. That even when someone got affected, uh, that person stayed at home, but the others tried to you know run the operations, uh, keep producing for the buyers. Uh, some others uh, also uh, tried to you know. Uh, tried to maintain their inventory while you know they waited for the season to harvest and then they uh, they waited for the market to you know revive so they are all working towards business recovery and the resilience is something that's that should really be appreciated and we did not make any new investment in 2020 but from this year onwards, Bangladesh is one of the focus countries for Truvalu Global Office. And this year onwards, definitely we are looking forward to making investments. Interesting. And speaking of investments, can you just, uh, I know you've touched up on this um, a little bit, but what is the mechanism, right? Um, even if a you know, private limited company is formed and um, you know, Truvalu Global is investing directly into these companies, right? Uh, what's yes. um, the mechanism and what is uh, the exit signals for them if they want to repatriate it back? So once a company owns, uh, an shareholders agreement is signed with the company, uh, signed between the company and uh, Truvalu BV or Truvalu, our global office, and then the fund comes directly into the company's bank account. So one of us, I mean, uh, really from Truvalu, Bangladesh, one of us sits in the board uh, and we are very actively involved uh, with the business. So, uh, and also we, we invest in convertible preference share because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, loan is problematic. Bringing in foreign investment as loan needs prior approval of Bangladesh Bank and BIDA and it's also time zooming so that is why we mean the money as equity so preferences are issued against our name i mean to value baby's name and uh, these preference shares are convertible so at the end of five to seven years these preference shares are expected to be redeemed uh, with the profit of the company very much like a bond at the same it has that convertible option should it an owner says that no, I don't want my shares back. So the owner can also buy back the shares at a pre-agreed price. And uh, when that happened, I don't know if that has happened in the portfolio already or not. Uh, what is the mechanism for the you know global investor to repatriate it back? Uh, that has not happened. But, uh, basically, the mechanism is easy. So either preference shares can be redeemed or the owner can buy back and then we have to apply to the bank with the necessary documents. The bank will forward the application to Bangladesh Bank. So Bangladesh Bank will check into all the documents and make sure that the documents are right, that the application to uh, repatriate, if all the documents are right, Bangladesh Bank will approve it and the funds just go back to the designated account of true value. Excellent. I think there is a lot to learn from there for Bangladesh Angels as well. Um, in terms of, I, I think uh, just for the audience sake, um, if the video or if you log out, log out from this um, 
uh, session, please, uh, you know, re-log um, back in because I think there was a technical glitch uh, when we set this meeting up. Um, so after 40 minutes, it's gonna, you know, end automatically um, and it's not tied to the main account. So please re-log back um, into the same link. Uh, we're extremely sorry for the inconvenience, um, but uh, please bear with us today. Um, so I'll continue, uh, Shara Tapa, and uh, if the video or if we get logged out, uh, please uh, join in again through the same link. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in terms of um, you know your long-term priorities, what what is the true value looking into? What are the medium-term goals, and what is the you know a vision uh, behind um, you know investing into the Bangladeshi market? Well, uh, talking about long-term priorities, we we have the vision to diversify into related sectors. Like even now, uh, when we say agri, it's not it doesn't mean only food. So it it's also food and non-food. So in future, uh, we have the plan to get into agri tech. Even from this year onwards, we are looking into agri tech companies. Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, in long term, we'll get into energy efficient uh, solution providers like solar energy solution provider that are in some way related to agriculture. And, uh, long term, we also envision having our local fund. So uh, we have this local impact fund and uh, investors from not only Netherlands, but from all over Europe can invest. Uh, even local high net worth individuals, local uh, large investors can invest in the fund. So that is that is our dream. That's excellent. Um, and um, in terms of, is the fund Bangladeshi or is it controlled by the global entity? Right now, we don't have any local funds. So we are operating as a private limited company and it's 99% owned by uh, our parent company in in the Netherlands, and the fund uh, fund is owned by Truvalupi, which is located in the Netherlands. And um, have you started fundraising from local, uh, you know, syndicates or groups that are uh, looking into impact investments? Have you found any um, groups like that in Bangladesh? Yes, I'm sure that in Bangladesh there are many investors who would be interested in impact investing. So we haven't raised any fund yet because we don't have the fund management license yet and we haven't applied for any. any. So in the long term, we, we plan to have a, a local fund. But I'm sure even there would be retail investors who may be interested, you know, high net worth individuals who may be interested in, in impact investments. Absolutely. And uh, <clears throat> we have been seeing that as well in Bangladesh Angels. A few of our members are looking into impact investing um but you know the challenges uh, and the barriers uh, when it comes to you know investment readiness and investment matrices exactly. that they look at um yeah what what has been the biggest challenges right or biggest barriers to further investments um from international impact funds like true value and Bangladesh, right yes there are many challenges like for example foreign investors are restricted uh, from investing in companies that are not registered as private limited companies so because you know they cannot easily provide debt to bangladeshi companies i can give mm -hmm. you some examples even uh, that day i was talking to a, an european investor 
who uh, who is very eager to invest in Bangladesh, but he prefers loans or convertible loans. So he is not interested to invest uh, in equity. But when he heard that, okay, it requires beta approval and that approval may take months. So naturally he, he backed out. So the, this is one of the major barriers. And uh, also uh, I would say that there is reluctance from uh, businesses, local businesses to register as private limited companies. Because, you know, because of that uh, additional, you know, reporting requirements, that transparency. So many businesses, they need funding, but they would say that, no, I'll not go for, you know, foreign investment because I'll not go into the hassle of registering myself mm -hmm. as a private limited company. And also we have seen one of the barriers is that many companies want funds, but they would like to use the fund as working capital. But our criteria is that we do growth funding. We provide growth capital. So even if a company is good, but they want working capital funding, we can only allow a portion of our funding to be used as working capital. Then of course, exit is challenging, will be challenging. There are so many regulations still, I mean, I would say it's much better than what it used to be from the uh, previous few years, uh, but still exit is a, is a problem. Even if there is an, IPO. So now there is an SME exchange, but I, I don't see much activity in the SME exchange. Mm -hmm. And even if there is IPO, there will be lock-in periods. So most of the barriers I would say is regulatory. It's, I, absolutely. And uh, that's understandable too. Um, in terms of, um, you know, the exit ticket sizes or when, when it comes to a repatriation event, um, is there any minimum that you, know, you have to impose uh, or from your end, um, is Bangladesh Bank looking into a minimum uh, check size to, um, um, you know, go into before having an exit scenario occur? No, Bangladesh Bank does not have any, any minimum ticket size. Uh, even for, uh, for smaller sizes, there are some exemptions as well, like you don't have to go for valuation and all that. So uh, no, there there isn't any any barrier regarding ticket size. But mm -hmm. we we try to bring bring in larger ticket investments because the overall process is the same. So you know it's always better to go for you know bigger investments because mm -hmm. uh, a ten thousand euro investment and one million euro investment will have to go through the similar process of registering Absolutely. in Bangladesh. What, what has been your traditional average uh, ticket size per investment? Our average is uh, around 250,000 euros, but uh, you know, going forward, we may go for higher and we also have a pool of co-investors. So mm -hmm. yeah, we can, we can go for up to say 500,000 or even 1 million euros if the investment is really that good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in your, uh, you know, investment thesis, do you look into uh, backing female led ventures or enterprises, uh, you know, um, from your, uh, or from your standpoint? Yes, we are very much looking for, you know, female enterprises. We uh, love to do gender lens investing, but the biggest barrier is, you know, finding the right company. 
with the mm -hmm. you know right uh, i mean uh, right criteria so yeah we we have tried and we are still trying and we have to have one uh, in portfolio but we we haven't found so what has been the biggest uh, barrier for that is it finding the right kind of um, you know investees or uh, is there any uh, you know way that can be expedited? What has been the biggest challenge for you to find out, uh, you know, um, female-led uh, entrepreneurs? Maybe we have not find out. Uh, I mean, we have not found out the right companies. I would say, and uh, we have found some companies, but they are very small, too small for our scale. So that's also another challenge. Like uh, when uh, we work with some NGO partners so they would refer us uh, some companies but you know these are too small for our appetite right and are you doing anything to sort of actively seek out uh, you know uh, more female uh, founders uh, when it comes to um, gender-based investing no we haven't uh, we are actively seeking investments good investments but uh, yes, and of course, we'll uh, prioritize female uh, entrepreneurs, but we are not doing anything to actively find out female entrepreneurs. Right. What about angels or investors, uh, female investors uh, looking into the space, even in impact investing, right? Um, what has been your biggest challenge to find uh, co-investors uh, who are also female investors or you know um, interested just in impact investing well uh, our co-investors are foreign investors we have not any local investors so my challenge is that uh, every time we we talk to a foreign investor the first thing he or she asks is that how do we repatriate our investment so yeah. you know ease of doing business so must be you know developed in bangladesh <laughs> So that is that is the biggest challenge. And uh, in terms of engaging more female uh, investors, uh, what what is your take on that? Uh, how do we get more female uh, investors to join in in angel investing or even in the impact investing? Right. Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, when we have this local fund in Bangladesh, I will come to Bangladesh Angels Network. We have this. Uh, the you know Bangladesh Angel Women's Network. So definitely, I, I'll approach them. I will approach the high net worth uh, female investors. Now there are many female investors in Bangladesh. I know. So yeah, definitely, I'll I'll approach them personally when when we have our local fund. But you know, absolutely, we, we still don't have any. We absolutely would love to work on uh, that with you. Um, I'll go to the audience's questions, but before that, I have one last uh, one for you. Any advice for uh, young women who aspire to be in your position and uh, choose your career path? What advice uh, would you give them? Well, I have three advices. Uh, so first one is work really hard and always be knowledgeable about your work. Keep learning. Second is is all be humble and empathetic and third is be a good listener that's excellent i think these are you know life lessons as well um thank you so much
Um, I think I'll turn to the first question I see on the chat box and the audience, pl please feel free to uh, write in the questions as we go along. Um, have you ever looked into companies that are established in Beza? Um, there are a lot of interesting opportunities there. Have you found out any foreign investors or any uh, companies working in Beza? No, so far we have not looked into that. Uh, social impact is also our criteria. So if you know any such company that creates a positive social impact, uh, feel free to contact me. Absolutely. Uh, what sort of return threshold uh, you require on preference uh, shares and tenor. I think you've already talked about the 3x uh, to 5x, right? Three um, times, yes. So is there like a um, mechanism that you derive that number? Or um, how do you sort of uh, plan to, you know? Um, so in other way? words, yeah, I can say we look for an IRR of around 25% uh, because risk is very high in this business. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes we don't take dividends for the first one or two years, even though we are preference shareholders. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So 25 is the average. Got it. Um, I think um, Mamtas Chodhuri typed in, uh, what are you know the lessons learned from uh, investments uh, or failed investments or investments that did not give you that 3x to 5x? Yes, lessons learned is that uh, what should I say? Yes, the, sometimes the entrepreneurs, they focus on too many things. So uh, now when we see that an entrepreneur is trying to, uh, you know, diversify or, you know, focus into other businesses. So uh, we, it's a, it's a matter of caution for us. Uh, sometimes we see that, okay, we did not do enough background checking about the entrepreneur. So he does not have this uh, business acumen, so he lacks the business acumen. So, uh, so now what we do is we do a lot of background checking. We even ask the people in the uh, area that okay, uh, how what do you know about this? So these things we have learned and we are already working on it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, given that you emphasize on social impact, um, how do you see potential target companies in the jute industry? Uh, what would be some matrices that you would be specifically interested in, um, in case of jute-based products um, or manufacturers or even a producer? Uh, definitely the company's uh, potential to grow what type of products it's making, uh, whether it can attract the export market because it's jute. So uh, whether there's potential for export, uh, whether it has obtained the certifications required for export, so what does the company want to do? Also, uh, what is the social impact? Is it creating jobs by engaging uh, more women to produce jute-based products? Or is it like buying jute from farmers? So yeah, these things that we'll look into. And also we believe that some impact has been created. Even if uh, an entrepreneur fails after say two or three years, then uh, some impact have uh, definitely been created. Thank you so much for that. Um, I think Mahbub Bhai, I think your question uh, really, uh, we have answered that in terms of uh, True Value does not look into working capital financing. Um, they're based on growth capital. So, um, but I'll ask a question to Sharvatapu based on 
what you just mentioned. Um, Sharvatapa, if you um, can just give us a brief about the different categories or sectors uh, that Truvalu has invested into um, in the past um, and uh, what, what kind of sectors are very lucrative for investments right now. Um, I think that would be, give the audience a little bit of an insight um, in the portfolio as well as pipeline. Okay, so right now uh, we are very much looking into agri-tech, food tech, innovative food processing, uh, energy efficient solutions. So right now that's our criteria because we have not yet invested in any tech company, agri-tech company. Uh, previously we have uh, invested into food processing, uh, into uh, jute products, then I said coconut coir. So mm -hmm. mostly these industries waste management. Right. And uh, how many are in the portfolio right now? Right now, we, we have exited some investments. So right now we have around 10 investments. Excellent. That's excellent. And uh, per but, year, uh, how many investments do you do? Large investments. Per year, we, we do, our plan is to do at least one or two large investments. Got it. Absolutely. Um, I hope, Mahbubai, that answers the question. Um, I think tea processing is uh, something. Have you ever come across tea processing or um, yes. any companies in that sector? One and, of our uh, investing do companies do does that. Can you give us a little bit of an insight uh, for Mahbubai's sake? Yes, uh, we have a company in the northern part of Bangladesh and it uh, produces orthodox tea, uh, rice and compost. So tea is one of their products. They, they have their uh, plantation and yes. So we'd be interested in uh, if any other company uh, approaches us uh, that's a tea producer. Uh, our biggest investment is uh, 250,000 euros, but that's our part. We have a co-investor uh, and that total was 1 million, uh, sorry, 1.25 million uh, euros. Yeah. I think uh, more or less that covers most of the questions uh, that we have from the audience. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for joining in and Charatapa for this excellent session. Uh, looking forward to you know connecting and um, you know making things um, happen in the impact space in Bangladesh.